Hello, good evening and welcome to the latest episode of The Game Is About Glory, our last one of the regular season. I'm your host Steph and tonight we are going to look back on what happened at the King Power Stadium today between the once again mighty Tottenham Hotspur and Little Leicester City in the final game of what has been a very long and let's face it very dismal season but my word we got a little bit of reward today with a 4-2 beating of Leicester City at the King Power. We will also be looking back at our game against Aston Villa on Wednesday night, complete with a review of the catering. And let me also say apologies if you can hear some banging in the background. We are just putting the finishing touches and rolling out the red carpet for the very first The Game Is About Glory Awards. And, you know, it's actually, no, we we don't do red. There's no red carpet here. It's more of a magenta colour. We will be going back over the season and awarding a Glory Glen to everyone who did well. So stick around for that minute. And whilst we admit that this could get very creative, perhaps more than our midfield has been for most of the season, we guarantee some positivity and accolades will be expressed. Before we get started, we've got a small favour to ask. If you listen to this pod on iTunes, you'd be doing us a huge favour. If you could spend five minutes or even five seconds, just spend some time to leave us a review. It really helps us spread the word about this pod and continue to pick up new listeners as we march to pod glory. And also a further apology if my voice seems a little scratchy or whatever, it's because this weekend has been the first weekend I've engaged in what is known as social activity. Uh, thanks to the post-COVID or sort of post-COVID double vaccination um, concessions that have been happening in my area. And uh, I watched today's game with my uh, San Francisco Spurs group and it was really good. It was good to be able to have a, a shout and a sing and a moan and everything. So that's what you're hearing. I'm not sick. I'm merely happy. Uh, <laughs> so Moby, Gareth, Ram, that's our team tonight. Hello, boys. Hello, Steph. Hi, Steph. Evening. We feeling good? I'm buzzing, Steph. Do you know what? I was so despondent after Wednesday night. Uh, and I was so full of dread about what I thought was going to happen today um, that I'm I'm almost delirious now. So yeah, it good. feels like it's a good, good evening, yeah. Good, isn't it? I feel oh, the I've same. got mixed emotions. I was so, like Gareth, I was so sure we were going to fuck this one up that I basically put the house on Leicester. So uh, on one hand, I'm really pleased we won. On, on the other hand, I'm homeless. Well, your, your house, <laughs> unfortunately, I have to remind you, your house is on Leicester or in Leicester because it, that's not actually where you live. <laughs> it's not that big. That is, that is <laughs> actually where you live, isn't it? And before I ask, before Ram comes in, and I know he's been uh, wants to express his joy as well. I, I'm interested in what the temperatures like up in uh, up in uh, Leicester right now. Do you know what? It was lovely. I actually drove, drove back. I went to see the parents earlier, and I was driving back about half two, kind of just round the outskirts of the King Power, and it was lovely seeing them all. Trotting along there with their big blue flags, and uh, you know, it was sun was shining, they were all joyful after the FA Cup win, and uh, yeah, it wasn't looking pretty for us, but weirdly, it's gone really chilly now. Mm, uh, <laughs> the temperature's yeah. really dropped. And, and, and can I just say, I, I hate Leicester. So I just wanted to say that I was delighted oh, right. to see them get knocked out of the Champions League. It was absolutely brilliant. I'm not going along with this rom- romance and nonsense business. And, you know, it just goes to show when your manager's head is disproportionate to the size of his body, you will choke. Ram, sorry. Uh, good day today, wasn't it? It was a good day. And I actually, uh, for the same reason, I feel I feel very uh, upbeat considering the season we've had. We uh, we got our own back in, of some sorts to Leicester. And I don't care how small time it is. Happy St. Woolwich Day, everyone. <laughs> hey. Excellent. And in this anarchic introduction to the final pod of the season i'm now going to go backwards and get to tonight's opening question even though it isn't tonight's opening question because we've already had it but let's just do what we always do throw one of those lifestyle questions out there and this one is in honor of the in my opinion 
still mighty Eric Dyer and the piece that was in the BBC. In honour of his allotment, I would like to ask each of you, starting with you, Gareth, what is the last thing you grew? So, well, I'm afraid I haven't got an obvious answer because I've got AstroTurf in my back garden, so there's not much growing that goes on there. Um, <laughs> so, sorry to throw you that one. Um, um, tangible items, I think I probably grew this stubble about 10 years ago, having, having been clean-shaven for the rest of my life. Um, and in, I, when I wrote down my notes for this answer, which was before five o'clock today, I just said I've been growing a frustration and resentment towards Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. <laughs> not anymore, though, right? It's all not disappeared. Anymore, no. No, Moby. no, no, no. Moby. I was, I was similar to Gareth. I was going to say disillusioned with Tottenham Hotspur, but I'm pleased to say that uh, after Mr. Bale's uh, winning performance coming off the bench, uh, the last thing I've grown is aroused, thanks to uh, Gareth. That silence you heard was me trying to think of something witty and realising there's nowhere to go with that other than to ask Ram, what, what Ram, please. I mean, I, well, I was going to say, obviously, my beard, because I, I shaved it off like a bit of the way through the season and it's grown back. But after hearing Moby's answer, I have grown despondent at life. Wow. That's pretty deep, mate. That, again, that got really dark really quickly. <laughs> Let's all take a moment to ponder. That, uh, yeah, well, I'll just throw in, I'm going to keep it really simple. I mean, you, got, you boys see me week in, week out. It's pretty obvious the last thing I grew was my giant, huge head of fucking hair, which is going to get uh, trimmed down next week, but which will grow into Jedward proportions again. Let's let's get away from growing things. You know, it's really interesting. None of us have an allotment and none of us have actually produced our own food. Uh, yeah, Eric Dyer, who's... Oh, oh, but there is a wave from the bench. From the gallery. I actually... You know what? Come off mic for a minute, Milo. Come off mic. Bring Depress- the producer yeah. in. Uh, come on. So okay, on. We're, bringing the, we're bringing the producer in for a special one-off <laughs> appearance because it appears that we have a grower, a proper grower in our midst. Go on, go on. Sorry, a horticulturalist, perhaps? Uh, uh, spill the beans, sort of, Milo. If he doesn't spill pipe up now that he's got an enormous cannabis factory, he's going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I grow a bit of food. I don't have a lot of space, but um, yeah, I, I grow, grow, I grow plenty. So, yeah. I, I... That's, that's rubbish. You've just thrown out a bunch of plates. What do you grow? Be specific. Well, I, the last thing I grew was a load of bulbs. So I had um, snowdrops and daffodils and tulips. And okay. so, so yeah, planted those with my son in the winter. And uh, I just took them out today, actually. So, and um, I, I planted some mint and I've got some thyme, some rosemary, some oregano and a few other things for some window boxes cut in the post on the way to the me at the moment. And... I'm waiting for the weather to turn so I can plant some things that might survive when there's no risk of frost, which in the last week of May should have been quite some time ago. So um, not as much as I normally would have done. Uh, when I've had a bit more outdoor space, I've grown, you know, I'd, I'd normally, if I had the space, I would be growing tomatoes and what have you and um, would like an allotment. I'm thinking about getting one. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go full Eric Dyer given half a chance. Wow. This, this end of season pod has took a turn I was not anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> This is the final part of the regular season and there are no rules, which I know frightens some of us here, but it intrigues and somewhat excites me. No rules. Aston Villa, let's start with the shittiest part of the last week and the truly crap part, Ram. I'd like you to, to maybe give us your first first-hand review of, of the catering. And just to remind people, you know, the club made a gesture 
albeit a reactionary one, we believe, to supply free food and free beverage in exchange for the the ticket, which I believe costs 60 quid. I mean, you know, whatever you think about the pricing of the ticket, you know, whatever. Let's talk about the catering. Come on, mate. First of all, what was the catering like? And then tell us how it was to be back at the uh, new White Hart Lane. So uh, I went for a burger uh, and I will say like going back into the lane, uh, well, sorry, mega lane. And, um, uh, and you know, and we had the social distancing, a few things in place like the line at lines and things like that. And I thought it worked out quite well um, that, you know, you didn't have to wait too long for the food. I went for a burger. I went for a beetroot and bean burger, um, which was cold. Um, it didn't come with chips. They said they weren't doing chips because uh for speed which is fine um so i went for the burger it was cold <laughs> given the fact slight... the burger was cold that's rubbish isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it was it um yeah i i'm gonna you know i've had food there before and it's been decent so it really did feel like a bit of an afterthought the food felt like an afterthought in the way that it probably was an afterthought that was a you know kind of an addition to it but it didn't bother me too much at the time because I thought I'm back here. We're playing yeah. against Villa. It's a game we should win. I walked out into the bowl and, you know, and it was it was nice. It felt nice to be home. And, uh, you know, and I, had a, I had a good look around and, you know, I felt excited. I thought it was a bit strange. We were all in, we were in the upper echelons of the stadium, like the second and third tiers as opposed to the bottom. But again, that didn't bother me at the time. And, you know, and there was a good there was a good uh, reception for the team as they came out. Kane got a really good reception, which was great. And we started off when we sung we, start, we sung a few songs. I thought we started off brightly. I did. Uh, there were some unexpected items on the menu in the lineup. In that we uh, we had uh, Bergwijn and Winks. Bergwijn justified his selection because he scored after eight minutes, and uh, I thought we did start brightly. But where I was, I, so I was in the south stand, just about just three quarters of the way up, and it was actually an excellent view. And I think I put this in the chat as I was watching it, and this was before they equalised. I said I've got an excellent view of uh, just how bereft of ideas and movement and cohesion we have. You know, we weren't. It still didn't feel we were playing to a to a system which. By all accounts, we, we probably aren't, um, you know, to, to, a, to a cohesive system at the moment. And then uh, I had a great view for both Villa goals. Um, the first one, goal of the season contender for uh, Reggie. And then what, whatever uh, our <laughs> defence was doing for the second one, which was, you know, it was like it was like a circus act at that point. And, um, you know, and I kind of just sat there and I was all a bit numb to it, to be honest. I just sat there quite numb. I was a bit annoyed because the fans started turning quite quickly. I, the fans did start getting on the players backs quite early on I mean I think there was a lot of pent-up frustration there for the season and we just didn't offer anything I think after they scored we offered nothing and it was such a shame because it should have been like a big homecoming for you know when Bell came on it should have been a big homecoming for him and it was just such a damp squib um, really disappointing you know and then there was like there was some sort of half-hearted protest at the end of the game as well but I think that was it even everything was a bit half-hearted the, the performance on the pitch in a game we really needed to win to you know we could potentially have still I think could we have still got top four if we had won that game um or or, you know mathematically but really we were going for Europa but we were still going for something and uh yeah and in the end I kind of left and I just thought did that just happen like I I, it didn't feel like what I thought it was going to feel like to be back in the stadium and uh, you know I, I just felt really downbeat after that downbeat after a hot Bergwijn intro and a cold bean burger apres. I think the food they laid on was the um, it's kind of the football chairman equivalent of a bunch of flowers from the garage. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's good. Plastic ones from the petrol station. Yeah, sorry, love. Forgot your birthday. Coming, coming from the greenest thumb in our in our ranks, I take that as a perfect metaphor. Yeah, but a bunch of flowers and a box of Maltesers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> packet of biscuits, and I'll do anything, as we well know. <laughs> so I got to ask you, Moby. What was your reaction, your instant reaction to Reggie's goal? <laughs> Brilliant. Honestly, can, I'm just going to rewind because it has to build up to that because my reaction is what it was what it shouldn't be, really. So I was still working. I had a customer go and stick a call in at 5.30, which I was like, oh, no, 6 o'clock kickoff. Why are you doing this? And it was just one of those calls that got legs. It was meant to go for half an hour and it went on and on. So I ran downstairs and I'm like, bloody, I've got the TV on. We, we've scored. You know, I've only just managed to get the phone out. Bergvine scored. I'm like, what? You know, he's drawn level with Alison Becker at the top scorer chart. I was like, how have I missed this moment? <laughs> I genuinely, I haven't actually seen that goal yet. It only only occurred to me the other day because with what came afterwards that I just hadn't even bothered to go back and look. I was I was that crestfallen. But so I sat down, you know, all happy thinking, brilliant, Spurs have turned up you know we're, we're winning already this is working um and then kind of like nothing happened and then nothing happened a bit longer and then it just kind of went on and about 20 minutes into watching as I felt the tedium building up yet again that familiar feeling and I just thought oh no they're doing it again aren't they it's one of those they've done me they've got me all excited they've got me down and they, they, they've gone and pulled this trick and then I must admit then I was just kind of nodding off and uh, the cross came in <laughs> and honestly the technique from Reggie I mean to sort of you know, he, he could have gone with his better foot and you've got to admire how brave he was to kind of get you know get over the ball keep it down the dip the swerve that he put on it I mean pick that out keeper no I, I actually applauded and I laughed to answer the question I pissed myself laughing because yeah, I knew I, we were screwed because you know you could just tell from the, the all, all the options the, the the team had deflated you know the only, the only possible team that can go 1-0 up and then shit the bed but we did it um, somehow Villa were just dominating so when that went in it was like it was an inevitable you know it was just another comedy goal but I thought at least that one was peak comedy he was it was very very reminiscent of when Ginger Pele lobbed his own keeper many years ago it was of that caliber but I agree with you I think it might actually be one of the greatest own goals I've ever seen a yeah, score yeah, it, was it was definitely a up there there was was it Trippier against was it Chelsea, Chelsea. did I just yeah, Trippier but that Jesus, was Trippier that was... what am I doing Trippier I went all posh there Trippier um, <laughs> so La Liga mm. winner Trippier uh, yeah didn't he bosh one in when Lloris was looking the other way or something didn't quite bosh it but this was as gave you quite him the eyes and pointed did him. out Reggie's technique was spectacular with yeah, this. And, it was amazing. Uh, but, no, no keeper in the world is going to stop those. Brilliant. You could but, have had two keepers in and nobody was getting that. But Gareth, uh, you know, I'm going to move to you uh, to, to sort of give us a little bit of an overview as to why you think this game fell apart. Because there's no doubt that we started very brightly. And, you know, obviously we've discussed Bergwijn's goal. And, and, you know, up until the point of Reggie there, you know, we, we looked like we were okay value. So why do you think it fell apart? I don't think we got the ability to manage a game when we were ahead for that long. I think it probably proved tonight when you go ahead in the 86th minute, you got a decent chance of hanging on to it. But to go ahead in the ninth minute when really we, we were out coached again, which is totally understandable on Ryan Mason's part. So I think Dean Smith's been working with that Villa team. He's drilled them for what, maybe two or three years now. So they knew exactly what, what they had to do. 
Um, and actually, I think they realised that once we scored once, it was it was more by, by perhaps luck than judgment. And once Villa started getting on the ball, and it's a, the timing sucked really, didn't it? That Grealish, having been out for so long, came back in, and it was the first time he could start a game. He was able to dictate play, and we just weren't clever enough to try and stop him. I thought the brilliantly named marvellous Nakumbu was was excellent for them in midfield, yeah, um, as yeah. was John McGinn as well. And I, I I I thought it was a team that had a lot of structure, had a lot of confidence and a lot of ability to carry out a plan and they did that against a team that as soon as it went against us and I, I guess Reggie's own goal to somewhat perhaps summed up our, our season um, from that point on you could see that Villa were always in the ascendancy and when they got ahead they managed the game really well You've got to be good at football haven't you if you get called marvellous you, you can't turn up and be rubbish can you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean final question on, on, on Villa because we do have to move on but I mean I think I do want to ask everyone very quickly for their opinions as to why the fans were placed in the upper tier i'll kick off by saying i think the club wanted to avoid any uh any demonstrations being on camera if they were i think or any sort of like resistance to their regime uh, the chairman's regime i'm not sure so that was my feeling ram what was your feeling you were there what did you feel it was like did you feel it was planned on along those lines or like well you know when i first started off i said at the time it didn't bother me so much but it was only afterwards after everything after we'd lost and the, the fans were protesting and actually that's when uh when you mentioned that in the group that resonated with me because i thought actually this is a great way to to ensure that the fans don't get on the pitch or try and do what happened at man united um so i'm going to go with that Moby? I can only think that they knew they were serving up rotten food and that they just thought it would be funny if everyone got dysentery to have to leg it all the way down <laughs> to the bottom and to keep them as far away from the players as possible, clearly. <laughs> oh, I have Aaron? no sensible answer, I'm afraid, sorry. That's sensible, what's wrong with that? That's a sensible answer. Now that makes perfect sense, Moby, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I think it's telling that of all 20 Premier League clubs that have had crowds back in, we're the only ones who haven't had fans pitch side. So that that can't be a coincidence, can it? And so we, you know, we, we, we saw the absolutely botched end of season player appreciation. It sort of felt like it was just a shambolic mess in a way and then you know is Kane crying or is he just really tired is he leaving so all of this stuff dragging us into the final game of the season against Leicester at the King Power where you know there were several scenarios before today's game if we lost and Arsenal won Arsenal finish above us and Chelsea don't make the Champions League yeah uh, that was probably the clearest thing that we could say was at the tip of our our, our thoughts I was certainly at the tip of my thoughts anyway were we confident going into this I wasn't Moby were you confident oh no I said earlier I'd put the house on Leicester um even you know even at three two up I wasn't confident uh no I really expected Leicester to absolutely steamroller us I think they're uh they're an organized team they're a good team they had something to play for and we've shown you know right the way throughout this season that if somebody comes to us with a bit of energy and a plan we we will crumble so no I'm absolutely staggered with what happened today you know you're right it's it's actually a, a very stupid question because we have all said that we were not looking forward to this game so thank you for answering what might actually be one of my worst questions of uh, of the season well it was just stupid wasn't it I mean you just have to think it through Gareth's got his hand up I had no confidence that we were going to go there and win because as as Moby's just explained all our previous suggested that we were going to go up there and we were going to crumble however when you looked at Leicester's home record this season this is a team that's lost at home already to Everton Arsenal Aston Villa to Fulham and fairly recently they've lost at home to Newcastle so it was hardly um, fortress King Power Stadium so when you looked at it from Leicester's perspective you think why can't we go up there 
and win until you looked at us. Ram, what was our, what's our away record like, Gareth? Uh, well, we're one of the few teams that have been better at home than we have away this year. So we won at Villa, didn't we, up in up in March? But I I said it on a previous pod. It, watching Spurs recently has felt like watching Spurs in the 90s, where as soon as mm. we go outside the M25, you, yeah. you might as well not bother. I think I was benchmarking it against the Leeds game a couple of weeks ago. You know, sort of well-organised northern team begins with an L. That will do. Yeah. <laughs> That, that there's enough similarities there to worry me. I've got to say that I'm going to, I'm going to name check my my buddy Gav. He did threaten to have a listen in actually, but I was on um, on that other uh, WhatsApp chat that I've got the Leicester chat that caused so much confusion the other week on this uh, on this pod, and uh, they were they were very nervous. They were like not as nervous as me, obviously, but but they really felt that you know they they couldn't trust their team either, probably for the reasons Gareth is saying now. And I was sort of reassuring them, going, guys, don't worry, we've given away more points at the end of the game than you know any team in the history of the universe um, and we will crumble you know don't worry and then suddenly Schmeichel punches one in and then Bale comes on and uh, has a riot so I was like yeah I mean Ram before we uh, get to the full unfolding of the second half I'm going to ask you to give uh, your view on the on the Jamie Vardy penalties both of them the first one I think it was a penalty, but I think without VAR, we would have got away with it because I think it was it was enough that Vardy was going away from Toby and, and he, it could have been misconstrued that he kind of went into his leg as opposed to Toby sticking it out. The second one, I, I'm adamant it's not a penalty. It's absolutely not a penalty. Vardy was very clever. thought Vardy showed all of his cleverness and cuteness. He literally grabbed hold of um, Davison's arm and, and then went down with it. And I think Davison even tried, he, he literally used um, Vardy as a, as, a, as a crash test dummy afterwards and like grabbed his arm and said, look, he did this. But, you know, then VAR checked for where it was in the box, but it didn't check whether it was a penalty. And I thought it's farcical to me. I agree with you. I thought we were conned completely. Uh, and it it really actually it really annoyed me. Anyone else want to say on those penalties before we move on, Gareth? What did you think? You're uh, you're probably uh, the most qualified to uh, to talk about it, actually. So um, both of them, what do you think? I, I agree exactly with what Ron just said. The first one was a penalty. Uh, the second one, yeah, it was it, it was never a penalty. Vardy's got previous for, for for conning referees for things like that, and without getting too tin hat about it as well. We've also got history with Anthony Taylor, who was the referee. He gave Arsenal a penalty when we played them at Wembley in a league game. You might remember Lloris saved the penalty from a Yeah, I was there. He gave a penalty against Sanchez in in that game as well, which really was it, it, it was never a penalty. But I think that you know all the memes and jokes are about the number of penalties that Man United get but um, if someone felt that strongly about Leicester maybe Moby's our man someone will start coming up with memes about why Leicester keep getting penalties which they don't deserve yeah I did, I did sort of comment that you know you, you only need to have a stiff breeze in the box and you know that Vardy's legs are going to go underneath him but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he's done it for, for three four five years now hasn't he he's great at it he's just such an aggravating sort of... toe rag isn't he, I mean, he little really, step-toe. really is mini step toe he just is an aggravating toe rag. There's no two ways about it. Even my dog has come in and started barking and agreeing as I said that. So if you heard a dog barking, that was Tilly saying that she agrees. He's a horrible, thieving toe rag and he stole a penalty uh, from us. And I agree with you, the first one was legitimate. I just want to remind everyone, by the way, that Jamie Vardy that conned the penalty today was three years ago being talked about as a quote-unquote Hollywood movie, uh, which has not actually appeared. I just wanted to let everyone know, despite the fact we have been in an era where people are begging for content, someone has finally realised that actually it's probably not 
the greatest of stories after all. <laughs> and they would it have been on. the best football film ever. You know, you've got to skate to victory. What about the one with Sean Bean in? I think they probably realised they'd already made it, wasn't it? It was it was starring oh, yeah. Sean Bean when Saturday comes. That was oh, yeah. the Jamie Vardy story already <laughs> <Yeah>. done. <laughs> anyway, Gareth, save us from ourselves and pose a question of common sense and get us away from calling Jamie Vardy nasty, libelous names. Um, that was the 12th penalty we've conceded this season. And I just wonder whether you want to hazard a guess, and maybe this is something for our listeners just to think about, is who wins the Golden Pen Award this year for the player that's conceded the most penalties for us this year it's going to be Davo isn't it 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 is yeah he gets in with three penalties conceded this year with um, Doherty Dyer and Pierre-Emile Hoiberg on two each top of the league so the optimistic (laughs) view of that statistic is that Serge Aurier has considerably improved his penalty committing ways well (laughs) and 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 we, we we hail that positivity and it has to be said, as we went into half time, even though it was 1-1, I don't think there was much positivity around really, was there? I mean, Harry did dispatch his goal extremely well. Uh, we put some pressure on, you know, Sonny was doing his best to get into the game. I mean, but really, you felt that if Leicester just flicked the dial another 10%, they were going to absolutely walk it, especially with Champions League qualification at stake. So we go into the second half. We've talked about the con. We're 2-1 down. I am going to ask... I'm going to ask you, Moby, what changed? I genuinely don't know. We just... Well, maybe the substitutions, I think, might... I think maybe Lucas getting involved and uh, starting to drive forward really badly. That was the only thing. He just kept going up blind alleys. The only other thing I can think of is Leicester maybe tired a little bit. And I think the Bale substitution with his, you know, not as energetic legs as they used to be, but, you know, bringing him on with 25 minutes to go, if Leicester were tiring. I think they also suffered a little bit with the reshuffle. And then they took Madison off. Um, and I've heard he's been getting some stick sort of after hours on, on, the, on the local call-ins. Um, so I don't think he had a great game. And obviously they, they lost Fafana as well and had yeah. to you know, restructure a little bit because of that. So, so I think potentially just a bit of tiredness and maybe changing the shape. And then we added a little bit of impetus. I think there was a there was kind of a couple of things that happened. I think one, I felt I felt Leicester were playing under a bit of pressure today, um, and it felt like they were playing with the handbrake on slightly. Uh, the Fafana injury definitely didn't help, but I have to say one thing for us that I thought was different was we weren't playing cohesively, you know, a lot of the time, but we didn't give up. And I think that made a difference. Uh, us not giving up means we were actually we were still in, we were never not in this game. You know, at a point where normally I thought, well, we this is it now, we're done. Even at two one down, I thought we were done, but the team didn't, and they carried on. And you know, and I think the subs really changed things as well, bringing Bale on. So, uh, so I think it was like I think there was a couple of things at play here, but I was I was impressed that we didn't give up. Yeah. Gareth, your take on it? I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I expected us to collapse a little bit. I think there is an element that Leicester shit themselves, probably knowing what happened in the final game of last season as well, when, the, when pretty much the same thing happened. And um, we, we just grew in confidence. And my sense check, having not watched it back, was that we were quite composed in midfield. And I was I was surprised that Winks played and I love that bit when he took out their player who was breaking through on the halfway <laughs> line and it was only 2-1 and he, he took the yellow card for it as well and from that moment on it did seem to swing the balance back in our favour and between him and Hoiberg mm. they seemed to get on the ball quite a lot and then you had Lucas Moore in front of them um, and it was a really really good sub let's give Mason the credit here because yeah. people would criticise him and we probably would criticise him and we have done in the past when he's not made good changes but today he did make good changes and I, do you know what I'm, I'm going to say it's inevitable I certainly didn't think it at the time 
I think once it went to 2-2, and I think if you're from a Leicester perspective, you're going to pick that apart and think that your goalkeeper who's been brilliant for you for six or seven years has really dropped a clanger there, isn't he? Punching it into his own net. And I'd say to an extent, it was probably inevitable from that moment that we were going to continue in the ascendancy. I think you have to give Sanchez a lot of credit because too many times from corners this season and especially in this game we just do not put pressure on the keepers or we just don't get in there to try and put pressure on the defenders who are protecting the keepers nothing but Davo went right in there and and, and made him and, and gave him something to think about and I do think that for all the plaudits Kasper Schmeichel gets if you give Kasper Schmeichel something to think about in the air he is prone to that sort of uh, you know occasional flap so um, I thought it was a well-earned error actually he was blaming uh, he was saying he was fouled. I yeah. saw the interview with him afterwards, and he was going in yeah, well, on the referee. Well, of course saying he, can't, he was. Can't but... believe, can't believe that. Said he was fouled for the first one, and should have been disallowed on the next one for Kane handball. But I'm sure we'll come on to that in a minute. That that is, of course, the Schmeichel bloodline coming into full effect because you know they are you know they're sore losers. I mean that's why they're winners. Actually, bluntly, that's why Peter Schmeichel was a winner. He was one of the worst losers I ever heard uh, in I've ever heard in the history of football, and I would expect his son to follow suit. So they can say all they like, but if Casper Schmeichel can't hold his own against Davison Sanchez, then uh, I think that he's really not as good a goalkeeper as he thinks he is. Just one more thing on Sanchez. The commentators at some point, I think when it was still 2-1, they were talking about him and how Jamie Vardy is, you know, they said, oh, he's running ragged all game and things like that. I didn't necessarily see that. I just saw like a, a, you know, a tussle and I saw that, you know, obviously Vardy's very quick, but I felt that was quite unfair on Sanchez. I don't know. What do you guys think? Very unfair. I I, I don't know. I think there is some merit in it and I say that particularly with the first Leicester goal and the penalty so I think maybe we'll discuss why Sanchez was picked ahead of Dyer today um, probably because Dyer was shit on Wednesday night but um, I think if you're putting Sanchez in the team you're doing it because so, oh, his pace can counter Jamie Vardy's and I thought he was caught on his heels for the first goal and the fact that Vardy had the had the run of Alderweireld and the run to get in the penalty area was because Sanchez hadn't anticipated that run in the first place and I think the second one yeah I mean it was it, we, we've said it was was never a penalty but in the build-up to that um, he's allowed Vardy to run across him and so if there's one thing you want from Sanchez when you put him in the back four it's that his pace is going to use that proactively to prevent situations like that happening so I, I, I understand the criticism criticism of him today. Leicester go with two up top as well don't they they're one of the very few teams that actually have two out and out strikers they've been playing um, Ian Acho up front alongside Vardy which obviously I think you know gives teams problems as well and he's reasonably quick quite strong yeah. when he hits the target he can't half leather of football I think as we saw a couple of years ago against us he just hit mm. some belters out of nowhere so so yeah I think Sanchez was as Gareth says very clearly detailed to mark um, Vardy and try and counterbalance his pace but yeah Toby obviously would have had his hands full with Inacho as well yeah, I'm not sure that running ragged is fair though I really don't think it's fair to be honest sure there were moments where I don't know call it a, a battle if you will a battle of pace a battle of wills whatever but I don't I didn't see Vardy running away and getting countless chances and and leaving Davinson on his arse all the time. I didn't see that at all. I mean, maybe the first goal, you make a good point. The second goal, I again, I don't think it's a penalty. So, you know, I think that's possibly a little fanciful. But there again, Ram, I, you know, I, I do think that players like Sanchez get picked on. Mm. I think it's very unfair. You know, I do. So 
to answer I your agree. question, I agree. I, 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 you know, what do you, what do you think? Did you think he got run ragged? I mean, you asked the question. I, I, no, I don't think he did. I, I, I concede from Gareth's point about the first goal, and you know, and absolutely, he was designated to man mark him. I think, or at least contend with his pace. But I didn't. I've, I've seen defenders get run ragged to the point where they just don't want to be on the pitch anymore. Um, that to me is getting run ragged. But then you know, he still popped up and and was the cause of our equalizing goal as well and he didn't yes. hide no um, and i, I think that's you. the thing he didn't hide no he didn't hide and he never hides mm. and that's one thing i'll always say about damson Sanchez: does not hide has he been superlative possibly not but he doesn't hide uh and, and I, I agree with that i agree with that 100 percent. i'd also like to talk a little bit if we can about doherty's performance today hasn't mm. been around the the side for a long time came in today and i thought you know, had a had a decent game. First decent game I've seen him have for a long time. Who wants to come in on that? I thought he was decent today. Um, or at least we certainly didn't notice the fact that he did anything wrong. He was involved in our first goal, wouldn't he? He um, he got the shot away, which was deflected, that landed for Sonny. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I didn't notice him. And sometimes from a from a fullback and a defensive perspective, that's not a bad thing. Gareth, I totally agree. I'd, I'd actually written down, I haven't noticed Doty yet. And that's a good thing because, uh, you know, I think over the course of the season, there's been a lot to notice with Doty, sad, you know, sadly, sad to say. But I thought he was solid today and I thought he put himself about. I thought he was good going forward. There wasn't, a, I don't think there was too much that came down his, his flank either. So, yeah, I thought he had a really solid game. Yeah, I'm going to complete the trifecta there with the hat trick. I also <laughs> had on the tip of my tongue. I, I thought he was good because I didn't notice him. Um, so yeah, we're, we're like a hive mind, aren't we? We've all meld, melded over a period of months doing this. Um, I saw him a couple of times taking the ball forward with mixed results. Um, mm. A couple of them were just blind alleys or intercepted passes, but it was in the right end of the pitch. It was on the halfway line moving forward. I didn't notice him at the back. And, and I think, mm. you know, the, the, the gauge this year for Tottenham defence is if they're not making huge balls ups then that's got to be a good place to go and there was no errors from him today so yeah fine happy with that do we think there's hope for him for next season do we think we keep him I think you've got to play him in the right shape, haven't you? I think we we ended up with a system where it's three four three, and he can hmm. be used in the same way that he was used so well at Wolves. Then let's yeah. give him another go. Delhi requires a little bit of uh, of a view here. I felt that he was really trying very hard to link things, but the movement around him was just not dynamic enough. I felt there were so many times where he was in positions in the last third, and there simply wasn't dynamic movement dropping in and around him, and it would force him to either lose possession or or have to play a, neg- a slightly negative pass. And I, I just thought he was, it was one of those games where he, I felt he was quite unlucky because again, he didn't hide and he was looking to make things work, but the dynamism just wasn't there. And, and Harry wasn't really switched on to him that much either, which was very, you know, make of that what you will. Who wants to come in on that, whether they agree or whether they don't? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was, he was the exact opposite of the rest of the team. I thought he started the game very well today and then he faded, whereas I think the rest of the team actually grew into the game. In the first half, he felt like the bloke who joins the stag do on the second day, having not been there the first <laughs> night. So whilst everyone's hung over trying to do archery, um, he's the bloke who's full of beans because he's just had a good night in bed um, and, and turned up fresh for it. But he did seem to fade as the, you know, as the game as the game went on. Um, I mean, I noticed that you spoke about Harry Kane there. I don't think Harry Kane touched the ball in the first 10 minutes. So I think a lot of the Delhi was probably our best player in the middle third yeah. and going forward today. I just want to say that your uh, bachelor party experiences have been infinitely more interesting than mine, which usually end up in, in, in piles of alcohol and other things. Archery? 
That's very good. I like that. Moby. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was a very, very specific example there, Gareth. Maybe yeah. you were that man that you were referring to. I'm sure there's a story there somewhere, <laughs> underneath the cover somewhere. Statmaster um, and Archer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, Delhi, he's a, he's in a mystery wrapped in an enigma, isn't he? He's just difficult to kind of get it clear. Look, if I go back to a couple of years ago when he was on fire, I used to watch him for games and just think, oh, fucking hell, Delhi's not doing anything. I'm not seeing Delhi, you know, oh, he's bloody flicking it and he's giving it away. And, you know, when the when, when we'd be needing the goal and the, and the potch and there'd be a sub coming up, I'd always be like, oh, I'll probably get Delhi off, he's done sod all. And then bang, he would score, you know, like a Crystal Palace keepy uppy over the head worldy because I actually did that in that game for me he'd done nothing and then pulled that out of the top draw and that's Delhi that's what he used to do you know he would flit in and out of games he wouldn't ever really dominate a game but then he would do that kind of spark and I think now he's coming back into the team you know his match practice his match conditioning his fitness levels are going to be all over the shop from the way he's been badly mismanaged this year also you know he's got used to playing one style under Poch he then had to play a different style under Poch to mend and make do for a while he's then kind of had the Jose way of playing which he obviously didn't get on with he's then sat out for six months and now he's coming back into a different kind of you know hybrid of maybe old Poch ideas that Mason's interpreting that's trying to be applied to a team that's been grilled in the Jose way of working I just think to come in and kind of try and suddenly be the heartbeat of that team and to dominate and dictate play is it's a bloody difficult ask so you know I'm seeing loads of people annoying me again this afternoon still well, Delhi just actually I was looking at this while uh, while you were talking Steph about allotments and uh, Delhi's put a, an Instagram uh, Twitter post up you know saying what a tough season it's been for him but he's grown a lovely set of tomatoes indeed yeah it's been a tough <laughs> season but look at my turnip um, now what a tough year it's been but thanking everybody you know and saying how he'll be back he can't wait to be back in the stadium next year and how great it is Good. the fans behind him and the very first post I fucking saw that answered it was somebody replied to it and just went yeah and I hope next season in the stadium you're not in it Delhi oh. well I'd like to personally say to whoever that person they can go and fuck themselves whoever they are yeah. anyway just you know yeah, give him give him 10 games again back in oh. you know back in a proper team that knows what it's doing there's a good chance you'll see a player again but we're too quick to write people off we really are too quick I mean that's just nonsense but um, Numptyville isn't uh, it I think I think Delhi since he's sort of come back into the team I think there's been an element of maturity that's come into his play uh, we've, we've not seen enough to see whether that's like a, for me whether that's something that's a permanent fixture or whether it's just his lack of kind of playing time has meant he's been a bit maybe a bit more careful with the ball but he he today there was a few moments where he you know he kept hold of the ball but he was skillful he had enough technique and skill to keep hold of it and then bring other people into the game which is something we've missed with some of our midfielders and he, and he still has the audacity to try certain things um and also today one thing i was very pleased to see was there was a slight arrogance that had come back that, and you, you love that in players like delhi you know and there was that it was it's almost like he, he's he's playing on this pitch he's like i'm better than you you know and that's it um, and whether or not that's justified, you know, considering um, the season that's just gone. But I want my best players to have that. So, uh, so yeah, you know, he did fade for sure. But it's just it's just so good to have him back in the team. Delhi, he had a really bright moment just before we scored the equaliser. It was his clip pass through for Sonny when it went behind him um, and he couldn't set Kane up. But that was a brilliant vision by, by Delhi. Mm. Let's just leave it there. I mean, we could go on and on about this game because it was 
actually in the end extremely entertaining and actually gave us a really great finish for the first time in a long time i'm going to reel off a couple of stats leicester's xg was 1.83 ours is 1.85 they had 10 shots with six on target to our 11 shots with four on target possession stats leicester 47 percent and we had 53%. So final round for this game, positives, negatives. I'm going to go to you first, Moby. Three, two, one, go. Positives, Gareth Bale. Uh, yeah, love, love to see his goals. Uh, negatives would be the fact that I'm still not convinced about how great it is going to end up in the European Farmers League and the fact that obviously we did Chelsea a big favour. Gareth, positives, negatives? Positive for me. It was the best result and best performance we've had since beating Man City back in November. And after a very long season, you know, th- th- we've got to take some joy out of that. The negative for me is that we ha- it'll be three months before we got the chance to build any momentum on that victory, though. Ram? Positive for me was we changed the narrative because we, uh, you know, normally we'd snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. You know, we thought we weren't going to get into Europe. We'd end up finishing eighth or ninth. But we changed the narrative and, uh, and we won the game and we're, we're in Europe now. The negative for me, uh, I think Moby already mentioned it for me, was uh, we helped Chelsea get into the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go along with a hybrid of those. I think the positive was it was, uh, well, at least the most exciting performance we've had for some time in terms of producing an unlikely but much welcome result. And yeah, the negative is we did help them get into the Champions League. They owe us. But actually, there is a final positive. Despite possibly our worst season in ages, we still managed to finish above the Woolwich Wanderers. This season review is going to be pretty quick, guys. I think we've been reviewing the season in an ongoing fashion for the last five or six pods. That's just been the nature of it. What were your expectations back in September? Oh, let's keep it brief. I'll start with you, Rem. I thought we were going to get top four considering the signings we we, uh, got in. I thought top four would be uh, acceptable. Uh, I thought with Mourinho having had a full pre-season and things like that, uh, yeah, it would be challenging, um, not for the title, but uh, definitely for Champions League. Gareth? Yeah, I thought exactly the same. I expected us to score 70 plus points this year, which should on average get you into the top four. Um, I felt that we'd bought well in the summer. I thought we'd enhance the starting eleven that we had. I also expected us to go to the very latter stages of either the FA Cup or the Europa League as well. Moby? I, I thought we were nailed on for top four. I thought we had two good players for every position, to be honest. And I thought that's the strongest squad we've had in a long time. I think, you know, you go back a few years, we had a great start in 11 and then probably two or three good more players, so maybe 14. But this time I thought maybe the 14 weren't quite as strong, but the 22, and I thought that would serve us a lot better going over multiple fronts as well. Um, and then I was so, so, so pleased at Bale coming back. Uh, and I just thought that that forward line of, you know, Kane, Bale, Son was just going to, absolutely wreck opposition defences and then my only thing was you know how do we make the midfield work we've got an embarrassment of riches there you know if Hoybier turns out to be good which he did look to be good early on and then I thought brilliant you know we're going to get the Celso and, and, and Dombele and hopefully Delhi playing we've got you know riches all over the place there yeah so I, I thought we'd be on for a good season and probably a trophy because we had a trademark quote unquote serial winner in charge mm-hmm. that's the only bit I was unsure about in fairness yeah and then I mean I think the other basic question uh, for this season that will probably serve us well in reviewing it in a, in, in a weird way is why don't each of you tell me where it all started to go wrong and uh, Moby you went last I'll pick up with you first Mourinho started to do his 
two-year or his three-year turn phenomenally early this time. So now when he started causing rows with Delhi, I think was the issue, when, the, when that started getting out and you realised that there was problems in the camp. So I think you, know, you could sense that was starting to turn behind the scenes. And then, of course, he epically started falling out with loads of players really quickly. Um, and then tactically, on the pitch, I think the other issue that we started to see was when teams worked out that Kane dropped deep and Son ran off him. And the moment they stopped that, we, we just retrenched. And then my final one on that, of course, is, is the West Ham comeback. That screwed us. That just gave um, gave Jose absolute carte blanche just to go, right, well, I can't trust you. So we're just going to defend and defend and defend. And I think that caused all the behind-the-scenes problems as well. So, so yeah, if there's any West Ham fans listening into this, uh, they're going to be really quite pleased with that, aren't they? Yeah, Gareth, uh, you want to follow on from uh, what Moby was just saying? Yeah, I, I agree with most of that. I think that pre-season was a really odd one last year for all teams and for all managers in terms of physical conditioning for the season, in terms of tactical approach. And I think we benefited towards the start of it. But actually, when a lot of the progressive coaches were able to catch up as the season wore on, um, I think the antiquated methods that were adopted by our coach um, were exposed for you know for what they were. And you've started to see that a lot of the younger, more progressive coaches were able to develop their teams as the season went on. Also, bear in mind the sheer number of games that we had to play this year, which I think caught up with us when we were playing literally every weekend, every midweek. And I think the culmination of those things... Um, and the things Moby said with the, uh, the the toxicity that was no doubt permeating through the squad and the um, and, and the training ground caught up with us. Yeah, I uh, I mean I agree with both of you guys there. I think that the game against Newcastle we, we was when we first started putting a rod in our back for very late equalisers, and I think that became like a, that became a running theme in our season. Definitely the West Ham game because that from a, from three nil up to to draw that, and I think you know Mourinho yeah Mourinho came out and uh, as as I think Moby said um you know that's where the trust stopped uh, according to him and then actually I also think uh, another game that was quite pivotal was the Liverpool game because we went into that and I know opposition fans of, of friends of mine were saying this really feels like a, a, a game between the two teams most likely to win the title and you know we didn't turn up <laughs> well, which, which is not like us but um but yeah you know I thought that that really kind of set us up for the second half of the season in that you know we just went downhill from there in the league at least I think there was also one of the things that I noticed was that we suddenly started to look a lot more physically sluggish. And that's when I started to read up more as to what was happening with the training regimens and so on and so forth. And that's when I realized that we were actually not working on on, on conditioning in the way that we had in the past. And I've got to say that, I mean, I don't know how long that had been going on, but uh, once I noticed that, and it was around the Liverpool game, actually, because I believe that was West Ham was the first pivotal game for me. But Liverpool, I agree. That was really the one where I thought it was it was just, you know, this is no good. You know, this is a yet another massive game that this serial winner was brought in to win. It wasn't even a final of any note or a knockout. It was a massive game in the Premiership. I mean, I would expect him to have those on toast. And when it didn't happen, you know, I, I felt, I don't know where we're going. And I do just wonder also, the other moment I just want to throw out there was when Mourinho said, Basically, there are only two players at the club who can score goals and that the rest of them are not goal scorers or can't score goals. I'm not quite sure how he phrased it, but he made it very clear that he did not rate any other player at the club as capable of scoring, that essentially the rest of the team's job was simply to supply those two with the chance to score. And don't you bother taking a shot because you're basically shit. 
and you're not going to have a chance of scoring. And I felt that there was a real fissure that started to open up in this, between him and the squad at that point, and that that's when it started to collapse for me. And I can't quite remember when he said that, uh, but it feels like it's around uh, around the new year. Uh, that was my feeling. Um, I suppose what we should say, I mean, look, I mean, there's so much we could say about this season. And again, I, I feel we've said a lot of it. So I'm going to keep this bit brief before we get to the awards, which in and of themselves will probably tell some stories about the season. I'm just going to round off with this question, which is, you know, up until the last five minutes of today's game against uh, Leicester, you know, I've been feeling pretty down and, and just pretty, uh, not even ambivalent, actually really just kind of cheated of my football club. Uh, of what they have been and what they what they were and what they are do what do we have to be optimistic about um you know give shine some light someone someone pop up and tell me where the light's coming from lockdown's lifting the pubs are open <laughs> but how about spurs i uh, do you have any optimism going <laughs> it's going to be a mental close season isn't it the euros are on we can watch some football without having to worry about tottenham letting us down england can do it instead and we can blame other teams players for once so that'd be quite <laughs> nice <laughs> Just take the heat off ourselves for a little while. Gareth, any cause for optimism? No, I, I think you're right. I think you've got to you've got to you've got to remove that last five minutes of today's game and look at it really objectively. And it's a pretty bleak time at the moment. There's there's an incredibly big decision that's got to be made. Firstly, around the manager and the coach, which possibly the decision's already been made. We need to know what's happening with Harry Kane and his future as well. And I think once both those two things are resolved, you can start thinking about. Um, which reinforcements will be made over the summer and, and what the team and the squad composition will be for next year. But at the moment, I, I don't see that this is a team that's ready to be challenging um, in the top four again. So if the answer to the question is, is, is not a lot. Ram? Well, I'm going to go against the grain, ever the romantic. I'm going to say there is stuff to be hopeful about. One is that I feel that we're in the darkness before the dawn. I think there is hope for the future. I think that, I think despite ourselves, we actually almost made it into the top four, you know, and um, and I do believe with a few additions a good manager that's come in a solid manager we get a system in place with or without Kane I think there is still hope for this team I also think next season um, we probably don't have as as we have had in seasons gone unmanageable expectations I think that we're going to go into this with everyone going oh Spurs and I think great perfect let's uh, bring it on Ram you are my brother from another mother I completely agree that we have to look at this as a chance to 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 just revitalize and grow again in in that most Eric Dyer organic sustained vegetable patch but nutritious not like vegetables where am I going with this metaphor? <laughs> uh, I just, just, I agree. New growth, new life, new hope. You know, I believe, naively perhaps, that the chairman may have learnt from his most recent mistakes and may not make them again. I have to believe that because the alternative is positively dire. And I don't mean Eric, I mean <laughs> dire. Um, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Two shows nightly, especially now that we're out of lockdown, you can all come and attend. I believe that there is hope. And I will say in closing, for all the awful things that happened this season, and they were that, and there were many, we missed the Champions League by five points. Yeah which is worth bearing in mind. I don't know if the league will ever be quite as poor as it was this season in terms of Champions League qualification, but we surely can't do worse next season than we did this season. So I actually think we're going to make the Champions League next season because I think we'll make that extra five points. That's my thought. So now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... 
I know it's exciting, Tilly. <laughs> the game is about glory awards. The glory glens are upon us. The How inaugural you your doctor do award that? show. <laughs> the inaugural award show for our mighty football club from the best Tottenham Hotspur pod in existence. Who will be sashaying up the magenta carpet tonight? Will we mistakenly give an award to the wrong people and have to prize it back from the prick? Oh, sorry, will we mistakenly give an award to the wrong people and have to prize it back? Chaps, it's simple, somewhat binary. I'm going to give you the category. I'm going to give you the five names and you're going to tell me who's getting the glory, Glenn, for that category. We start with the best new signing. We have five contestants. Sergio Reguillon, Gareth Bale, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, Joe Roden and Carlos Vinicius. Moby, you go first. You've missed Joe Hart. You've done me. Um, uh, Hoybier for me. Gareth? Yeah, it's Hoybier for me as well. He's played every minute of the Premier League this season. Ram? I want to say Bale to piss Milo off, but it is Hoybier. It is Pierre-Emile Hoybier who wins the first of our Glory Glens for this season. So well done, Pierre. Uh, your award is coming to you via... Uh, it'll be coming via DHL because it's, a, it's such a huge and enormous award. Uh, you, I hope you have room for it in your house. So Pierre-Emile Hoiberg wins the inaugural Glory Glen for our best new signing. And I, quite frankly, have no debate about it whatsoever. Does anyone... I mean, I think we all agree, right? We all agree? 100%. Yeah, I think any criticism of him that's came on in the second half of the season has been because he's ran himself into the ground, as Gareth says. Um, you know, the stats, I think I saw he played something like four and a half thousand minutes or something. I don't know if that's right, but somebody said he's like the equivalent of two and a half seasons of football he's played. So, wow. you know, the fact that he's looked like he's been running in pudding for the last few weeks and actually he's got better um, because we've now... By, by by fortuitously getting ourselves knocked out of every cup, we've only been playing every week. And I think that's just helped him ease off a little bit. And he, he started to look good again. So certainly today he was uh, he was decent, I thought. So yeah, no fair play. And a belting goal against Liverpool. I also have to say that the moment that he actually... I mean, he did. He went full Basil Faulty. I've forgotten who it was against, but he was so he was gashed open. I think he had a massive gash on his leg. He just turned around and was trying to walk back onto the pitch. And Jose, I love men in my team, Mourinho, actually shoved him off the pitch and wouldn't let him go back on. So the fact that he is actually harder and more manly than Jose Mourinho <laughs> was uh, just. No, I mean, in all seriousness, that was uh, that was uh, somewhat epic because it was crazy. It's like the man is mad, daft as a brush. Uh, so, yes, I... I've... Yeah, good play. And a snip at the price as well. A really good signing for that price. Yeah, and, yeah. In, fa- and in fairness, oh my word, I have to say that Jose Mourinho deserves full credit for that signing because he wanted him early, he identified him yeah. and he got him. So, fair play to Jose. He got that one right. Yeah, we would all agree on that. Yeah, you'd so expect agreed. combative defensive midfielders to kind of be his forte, wouldn't you, really? You would, but and he nailed it. In fairness, he got that one right, so good for him. So, our second category, most improved player, Lucas Moura, Harry Kane, Davidson Sanchez, Toggy Ndombele. Ram, I'm going to start with you. <sighs> I mean, it's hard to go against Kane because in spite of him already being world-class, to get uh, the golden boot again and the assist record is just phenomenal. But I am going to put another name into the mix, and that's uh, Ndombele, because I think there was almost no way back for him last season. But I felt that he stepped up and uh, 
improved his attitude this season. It made him a first-team starter. I also think that actually Mourinho deserves credit for that as well because he responded to Mourinho's style of trying to get him back playing to the level that he thought he could. And I thought that he he started becoming that uh, midfielding uh, marauder that we know he can be. Gareth? Kane's gone from being world-class to being world-class plus this year. Um, but really, I'm going to throw Lucas Moore in there as well because I think he's shown us a brand new box of tricks that he's got that we didn't know he had, which is that ability to play in tighter areas of the pitch and to affect the game in a number 10 position. I, I think he's been pretty consistent throughout the year as well. He's been someone that we can rely on and I think it was it was proven today as well. He came on and he, he made a difference. So I'm going with Lucas Moura. Moby? Pretty scant pickings, isn't it, really, that one? Um, yeah. Oh, stop moaning from... and just pick one. No, I'm not moaning. <laughs> oh, I am. Well, I am moaning. Like, which bucket of sick would you like to put your arm in? Um, yeah, it's um, it's Kane, basically, isn't it? Because the others are just like, they're up and they're down. They've not really, not really done a great deal to phone home on, really. So, yeah, he's got to be carried. He's just been brilliant, hasn't he, all year? And he's gone up a level. Well, I'm going to uh, step next, next to Ram here and say... Uh, Tongyeon Dombele gets it for me because we're talking, in my opinion, about most improved player. And from where Tongai started from this season to where he ended up was uh, was an enormous stretch. Uh, Harry Kane, a brilliant player, went on to do brilliant things. But I would also say when the entire team is basically shaped up to you know to serve you and you are the fulcrum point, it is it, it is um, well, it's not easy to shine. I don't want to. Den- I'm not trying to denigrate what he did, but I am saying that the system was set up for him, and because he is a world class player, he was able to take advantage of it. The second glory, Glenn, for most improved player goes to Tongi Ndombele. Right, third category, most underrated player. Oh crikey, doodah! This is going to be good. Steven Bergwijn, <laughs> Davies, Mora, or Loris? Yeah, God, fire away. I'll, I'll, I'll go. Uh, well, I lobbied to get Hugo put on the shortlist. So um, yeah, what a man! I'm going to go for Hugo. I think he's had some real stick um, this season, lots of seasons, but I think he's a class above. So yeah, I do think Hugo gets underrated, and if not by Tottenham fans by football in general you know we have a world cup winning captain here and the disrespect that he gets sometimes is is out of order so yep that'd be my pick as well Hugo Lloris I think he's been much maligned um you know I keep hearing how he's passed it how he's not good enough how we were willing to sell him this season and get someone else in but he's kept us in games this season he's stepped up when he's needed to be and he's been a captain uh you know at points when we've needed him and he's been consistently doing that and so that's that's why I feel he's underrated. Gareth? Same for me. Going to make, uh, going to take your maths out of it this time, Steph. It's um, Larice for me for exactly those reasons. I think that, you, I mean, you only really know how much you've missed someone when they're not there. If he wasn't there, Joe Hart would have been in goal for us this year. <laughs> God. <laughs> Which in and of itself is not quite enough to, to, to justify, but I understand what you're saying. Um, Yes, I mean, I look, I, this is a tough category, I think. I mean, it's tough to think that a World Cup winner has become sorely underrated, but I think it is true. Hugo has been sorely underrated. I mean, he has already got our glory, Glenn, as the most underrated player. Uh, even I can count enough to say that anything I now throw out is not going to make a difference. I do want to make a special mention for Lucas Mora. I'm often a critic of his, uh, and I do, I do think, you know, he is underrated in the sense of uh, he has... You know, his energy has helped turn many games. I'm not saying he's been brilliant per se, uh, but he has turned an awful lot of games just by being who he is. But yeah, 
Hugo Loris wins our Glory Glen for most underrated player. Young player of the year. We have Dane Scarlett, Alfie Devine, Oliver Skip and Ryan Sessegnon. Gareth, you start. It's Oliver Skip. I think he's been phenomenal for Norwich from what I've seen from this year. And I think he's had a really good grounding. I think there's a really good debate now to be had whether his his future development will be served better by him coming back to us next year and being a bit part player or whether he'd be better staying at Norwich and getting a full Premier League season under his belt. But this category is obviously very difficult because Jose Mourinho didn't pick any players under the age of 23, did he, in any league games. Um, and then, of course, he's massaged the numbers a little bit by giving... Um, some of the kids, including Alfie Devine and Dan- Dane Scarlett, um, some minutes in some Europa League games and some FA Cup ties against non-league clubs. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for the uh, development of Oliver Skip. And I think he's had a really good year, albeit not in a Spurs shirt this year. So my vote is for him. Moby? Yeah, I, I accused um, Jose of stat padding, didn't I, earlier on in the season and said that when he eventually gets sacked, which he did, he always pulls out the list of young players that he's bloodied and you could absolutely see him doing that. So I think this is a really, really difficult kind of um, category because we've got this weird chasm between 15-year-olds that got, you know, 45 minutes against Marine um, or all other young players have been loaned out. So, yeah, really strange, but skips the, the standout one. He's, he's been excellent this season and I'm really looking forward to getting him back I think really interesting point that Gareth's thrown up there but hopefully if we get a good progressive manager Skip coming back will be perfect timing and you know we might see a new generation coming through headed by Skip Ram? No arguments there. I think I think uh, the choice speaks for itself. Oliver Skip, for me, for exactly the same reasons, um, he's had a really good uh, season in the Championship, which, uh, in, to some extent, is uh, is harder on a, on a young player to play in, and that's why they, you know, that's why uh, players are sent there, you know, to kind of to kind of up their game. And yeah, I'm in agreement with that. It's a it's a landslide. Young Player of the Year, Oliver Skip, step up and enjoy the greatest award of your career so far the Glory Glen. Our next Glory Glen is going to be for the goal of the season. There are five up for grabs. And Dombele versus Sheffield United. Oof, lovely touch. Lamella versus the Gooners. Wah, marvellous. Delhi versus Wolfsberger. Ooh, tasty. Kane versus Crystal Palace. Lovely, lovely. Winks versus Ludogorets. Cheeky. And I'm going to throw another one in. Gareth Bale's absolute superlative curler against Southampton. Ooh, suits you, sir. Moby, why don't you start? I'm going to go for Sergio Regulon for Aston Villa against Tottenham. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to double down on what I said earlier. That is the best goal I've seen this season. Unstoppable. No, oh, you mean a goal for Tottenham because I'm on a Tottenham podcast. All right, I've got you. Um, Yeah, it wasn't on the shortlist again, but you've just added one on, so I'm going to. Um, I can't believe we've not shortlisted Hoybier. His absolute thunder bastard against Liverpool. He hit that and it absolutely stayed hit. Um, But if I have to go for one that's um, on the list, I'm getting nods from the gantry here, who's not happy with that one. Yeah, I mean, amongst that selection of hit and hopes, toe pokes, sort of jammy shots against uh, Farmers League players, I'm going to go for the, the absolute class perfection top technique strike which was Harry Kane Gareth yeah my, my everyone else is doing it so I'm going to throw my left field one that's been forgotten which was Sonny's goal against Arsenal in the home game uh, because I was sat oh. right behind that one 
Uh, and that, of course, maintained our position at the top of the league, and it was against the Goons. But anyway, I know that's not the rules. So of the of the ones on the shortlist, I'm going for Kane's goal against Crystal Palace, just because we've seen him do that so many times over the years that you know that he meant it as well, and it was absolutely in the on the postage stamp. And it, yes. and in hearing us giving him that award, he might be the key factor in him deciding to stay as well. Ram, I think that Moby and Gareth have both provided a great argument, um, and you know I am totally behind them on that but they are both wrong the goal of the season was Lamella's the shithouse against Arsenal Uh, the literal audacity of it to do it against the nomadic Woolwich wankers down the road um, who by the way we did finish above again this season to do it in a game like that to have the audacity to do it and he meant it and it wasn't a toe poke and it was a beautiful thing. It was such, it was such a shame that we didn't uh, we didn't win the game in the end. But for me, that is hands down the goal of the season. And once again, Ram, I- I'm sure we need to go into our parentage here because there's a there's a, <laughs> a, a it's obvious that we ha- share a bloodline because once again you said everything I would have said about this particular category and this particular winner. So saving the fact I want to repeat it all, I will just say yes. That for me is everything that Tottenham Hotspur is about. It was absolutely brilliant. It was jaw-droppingly entertaining, and it was against the Woolwich Wanderers, who, as Gareth just pointed out, we finished above for the fifth year in a row, despite some silly little child holding up a sign at the Emirates (laughs) saying something about today being St Totteringham's Day. So it appears that my mathematical genius has actually concluded we do have a tie or a draw, as we should say in English parlance. And that means that the producer must be brought in for the casting vote. Milo, will you please come off mute and give your casting vote? And if we don't like it, we'll disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Ndombele scored against Sheffield United, I thought that was goal of the season, but it wasn't. It was Lamella. Oh, it, it's it's just Milo. nice. It's just nice when VAR works in your in your favour, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's just nice when a Glory Glen controversy gets sorted out by VAR in the right way. We are delighted to offer Eric Lamella the Glory Glen for goal of the season, and well earned it was. Well, this one's going to be tough. The Glory Glen for game of the season: Southampton two, Tottenham Hotspur five, Tottenham Hotspur two, Manchester City nil. Tottenham 7, Maccabi Haifa 2, Manchester United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 6, Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. And I am just going to have to make an honourable mention for today's game, uh, Leicester City 2, Tottenham 4, but it is an honourable mention. Ram, you start. Which of those games is going to get the glory, Glenn? I'm going to go for the 6-1 win against Man United at theirs. I thought, well, firstly, we stuffed them. Uh, and uh, even though we went one nil down, we stuffed them. Six goals. Got a dubious sending off that the, the shit house delivered. And uh, and yeah, you know, and and actually after that uh, performance for a, for a fleeting few games, it was you know up until that where we we started riding up the league. And I thought, God, there's something in this. We've just beaten United six one in their own backyard. We've got a penalty decision and a sending off against them. Something's afoot. Perhaps this could be the year that we uh, we finish the season and we have a serial winner as our manager. So everything was looking rosy. Rosiness 
it was. Gareth, what about you? What's your game of the season? I, th- I think I've just needed Ram to remind us that we scored six at Old Trafford. We went through mm. most of the 90s and 2000 without getting six corners at Old Trafford. We got six <laughs> goals in the same game. I think it's very hard to look beyond that. So I'm, I'm going with Manchester United 1, Tottenham 6. Moby? Yeah, I think you're right there, Gareth. Even the goals that were a metre over the line didn't count as goals, <laughs> did they? So I don't think we actually got six goals to count in the 80s and the 90s combined up there. Uh, yeah, for me, that was the standout game. Absolute no-brainer going to go for that one. Um, although today's just left me with a, a lovely, warm feeling for so many reasons. You know, just kind of was not expecting anything You know, against a team sat in the Champions League spots with something to play for. Uh, all I'm surrounded by them, absolutely knee-deep in enemy territory here so that's lovely got them back a little bit for 2015-16 you know and obviously finished above Arsenal again because I've not mentioned that enough because it's kind of like just boring now isn't it but you know doing Arsenal over as well was quite good so uh, I'm still gonna go for Man United but on really mention for uh, for that nice little uh, end of season Philip that we had today yeah I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just make it a clean sweep actually you know as you said it all Gareth as did you Rem about the Man United uh, 6-1 thrashing and just to add you know beating the goons at home at this point whilst I do love it every time it happens it is uh, you know it's a regular occurrence so we shouldn't get too excited it's you know business as usual uh, and beating Man United 6-1 at Old Trafford it isn't business as usual so the Glory Glen for the best game of the season does go to the 6-1 hammering of Manchester United Old Trafford and our final Glory Glen a bit like the Oscars isn't it where you save the most important award maybe until last uh, our final glory, Glenn, is for the player of the season. Son, Mora, Hoybier, Loris or Kane? Gareth, you start. It's, it's easy. He's been world-class plus for us this year. It's Harry Kane. He's been excellent consistently throughout the season. Uh, once again, for us, I think we've got a truly generational player. Um, and it's, 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 I think it's also a reflection of the fact that no one's been consistent throughout the season and all the other contenders that we've mentioned have been very good for us in spells. But the fact that Harry Kane's standards have been so high that he has been so good throughout the season sets him apart and, and he's my player of the season. Moby? Very harsh on uh, Serge Aurier, obviously not being on that list. <laughs> Cheeky contender for most improved, as he only gave away one penalty uh harry kane <laughs> just absolute no, no conversation about it is there at all so here harry please have this lovely uh glenn award from us and uh i hope that sits nicely on your mantelpiece in manchester Ram? no yeah again harry kane uh he's been different class he's been our best player he i think actually only getting to see him once uh live this season um in the game against villa even though we lost that game and we didn't play particularly well he just looked head and shoulders the way he carried himself on the pitch and just the things he was he he was always one step ahead of everyone on that pitch you know and and uh and that that's the sign of an elite player it's another clean sweep i mean there's so much to say yet so little I mean you know if ever a player spoke for himself with his performances week in week out it's Harry Kane and he just has been brilliant in all areas of the field and there is a song that I'm sure we've all sung many times and it used to go number one is Robbie Keane number two is Robbie Keane number three is Robbie Keane I I, I can only say that if ever a player was befitting of that song uh, it's Harry Kane because quite frankly if he was one to eleven <laughs> I think we'd have seen a treasure hall that, that, you know, the Vikings would have uh, adored. So um, (laughs) on that note, we have to say that the glory Glen for player of the season goes to Harry Kane and Harry, it's going to look spectacular 
and wonderful on your mental piece and will dwarf your golden boot, which, by the way, you also got at the end of today's game for being the top scorer in the Premiership. So a phenomenal season for a phenomenal player who continues to impress despite injuries and all the other stuff that surrounds it. Hang on, my earpiece is going. There's something happening on my screen. Hang on, the producer's coming in. Producer's coming in. He's coming in with a late, a late chance. Milo. Can I interrupt for one extra award? So I think, I think so. The award for the funniest moment of the season. Our nominees are Eric Dyer's shit, Davison Sanchez. Hang on, where's the Hang on. I have to correct that. you. You just said <laughs> you just said Eric Dyer's shit. No, no. So Eric Dyer leaving the field of play to have a shit. There we are. Number two. Four sentences. <laughs> Context is everything. <laughs> Apostrophes are important. <laughs> Sanchez is horizontal defending. Header, yeah, against City. Yeah, great. I forgot, I forgot what the third one is now. <laughs> um, oh, oh Reggie's, Reggie's, Reggie's own goal. goal or Dulux sponsorship announcement. So, I tell you what, Steph, I'll go to you first, as you don't not often get to go first. You go first, Steph. What was the funniest moment of the season? Well, the funniest moment of the season, first and foremost, just occurred when you tried to frame the funniest moment of the season and said, Eric <laughs> Dyer's shit. shit. <laughs> when it actually should have been Eric Dyer leaving the field of play to take a shit, which you were doubtless have corrected it to now. So everyone will wonder, wow, that's what he just said. No, he didn't just say that. We had to correct him. But that, that being said, other than that, Wow, the funniest moment of the season. Um, I, you know, I thought I thought the Dulux paint dog was very, very good. Um, it's between that and the and the, and and Reggie's goal. I'm going to go with Reggie's goal because it was just epically brilliant and funny and tragic and all at once. So I'm going to vote Reggie's goal. Go on, Gareth. Let's have your funny. Uh, I think I'm a, I'm a very sensitive soul, actually, and I, I took a great deal of hurt from both of the, the Dulux t- dog incident. Uh, so I'm going to say Eric Dyer going off for a poo was the best moment because ultimately we ended up beating Chelsea despite the fact we had 10 players on the field for, for five minutes or so. And he wiped his hand down. Whose face was it? He, he who, who was it he wiped his hand on? Oh. Did he really? Yeah, oh, no, yeah, one of the Chelsea yeah. players, when he came back out, he wiped his hand down their face. Yeah. Blimey. I wish we'd got to go back and Sorry, see do you want to vote again? <laughs> do you want to recast your vote now you realise? Well, actually, yeah, that's just soared to the front. That's right. amazing. Did he really? Yeah, Hank. Rubbed his finger over his top lip to give him a moustache. That is, no, I would like to revise. Oh, God, I'm going to... Brilliant. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, so we've got two votes for Eric Dyer's shit, have we? And Ram? Where, where can I go with that? I mean, I was going to say, um, I was going to say Reggie's goal, but yeah, no, uh, now, now that nugget of information <laughs> that you've just provided, uh, it's got to be, it's got to be Eric Dyer's shit. But it's not just the shit, is it? It is the fact that someone has just alerted us to the fact that he rubbed his hand down a Chelsea player's face <laughs> after immediately returning to the field, which is, which is hilarious. <laughs> That's unbelievable. And, and I, you know, I talk about shit housing. Crikey. Yeah, that is <laughs> literal. It was Mason Mount. 
Amazing. Picked on the kid as well. Okay, okay. I'm now going to throw one more in. There's a late glory, Glenn, that has to be awarded as a special category, surely, for greatest bit of shithousing. Surely that would count, right? It literally wasn't. No, no, that is Lamella versus Man United, isn't it? Ah, well, I don't know. You don't get your game of the season without that. So you take yeah. that away from if you take that away oh, from him, you've got to come yeah. up with another game of the season. Yeah. yeah well, true. if ever there was a shared glory, Glenn, I, I would personally <laughs> like to give it to both of those moments because I have to say that has just—I mean, my word. Anyway, very good, very good. I like that. Yeah. What a good, what a what a typically um, wonderful, amusing, entertaining, and chaotic conclusion to what has been a season of all of the above. We have always found humour in this season, haven't we, boys? Oh yeah. I mean, which is great. I the, so the, moments, it's quite moving, funny like that. I, f- yeah. I think Mo- it's funny that Moby didn't get a chance to uh, give his vote either. Oh, yeah, um, sorry. Steph just fucking glazed <laughs> it off. And... Moby. <laughs> I was getting all excited there. This is like my favourite bit can, of the can, pod can, for can, Cast your vote for Eric Dyer and then we can move on. I just wanted to compare and contrast because that bloody, um, what was it, the most improved player, which was absolute waste of a category. What a load of shit. <laughs> There's just nothing to go for. But this is just like such a fertile ground full of what, amazing... Eric, Eric Dyer's shit-filled fingers. Exactly. It's going to end up, it's going to end up in your <laughs> Is that puck do, 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 <laughs> I was going to say, we could merge this with the first opening question about the last thing you grew. And <laughs> Eric Dyer's shit oh, going, in, going into my life. It's a double fister. Oh, my God. No, I've, 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 I've got it. I, I love that one. I, I loved all of those. You heard me talking enthusiastically about Reggie's finish at least twice earlier on. Um, Dyer was brilliant and it just got even better. But I, I just think somebody needs to put some respect on the Dulux dog's name because that was <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. brilliant. We, we were in the midst of a load of shit going on everywhere on the pitch. Morale was appalling. Everything was going wrong. And then we get bantered off by the fucking Dulux dog. It couldn't have been any funnier. <laughs> so I, I think what we're saying there is actually we, we're, we're giving some respect to the poor sap at Dulux uh, you know, social media, many yeah, social media yes, accounts, and yeah. we're giving a big boo to the um, Spurs fans on Twitter who took it all too, far too seriously and got hurt. Ugh. Yeah, it was so funny. Yeah, perfect. Anyway, yeah, the award the award goes to Eric Dyer's shit. Yeah, rightly so. <laughs> well, chaps, we end with a high note. We really do. We end with this great four-two uh, victory over Leicester. We end with the unveiling of what will doubtless be uh, the premier. Tottenham Hotspur awards ceremony for seasons to come and we end by agreeing that Harry Kane has just had a phenomenal time of it and here's hoping that he goes on and absolutely smashes it in the Euros I hope he has a wonderful tournament and I hope that he gets what he uh, what he deserves from it thanks very much for being here you know I mean I say see you later but uh, thank you Cheers. thanks Steph thanks Steph see you later and indeed for all of the boys that have been on this season that are not here with us right now we, we, we've got to say thanks we've got to say thanks to Luton we've got to say thanks to Awesome I mean, it's just been a, a great rollout so and we've also that's right we should probably offer thanks to Milo as well shouldn't we even though, he's, yeah. well, even though he's always here <laughs> yeah. Ricky and Ricky's misses yeah and well, <laughs> of course we have to offer yeah yes and to ricky so you know it's it's been brilliant it's been a brilliant a brilliant time and it's really actually i think helped put a lot of light 
into our uh, difficult season, to be fair. So hopefully we will also get to enjoy the riches of a new regime and a new management uh, as they come into the club over the summer. What everyone needs to know is that even though it is the end of the season, it is not the end of the pod for the season. We are going to be providing for you throughout the summer a series of specials. We can't promise they'll be out at an episode a week. It might be on different days in, to the usual. You might get a couple at a time. Uh, you know, you might get a couple of weeks off. But you are going to get podded by us regularly this summer and i can guarantee you it will be exciting and fun until he might even pop up with a a comment here or there again so stay tuned and keep checking because there's going to be a lot of good stuff and in the meantime remember if you like what you're hearing dig through the archives and you will find oral treasures a plenty you can also find us on twitter and instagram give us a follow and say hello as always thanks for joining us and we are going to see you very soon this summer. Thanks, everyone. Happy St. Willich Day, everyone.